Welcome to the Home Inspector Marketing Podcast. Because you're a home inspector looking to increase your sales, improve your cash flow, and boost your bottom line, you are in the right place. For additional training resources on how you can grow your home inspection business, go to microreturns.com right now. And now, here's the podcast. Hi, this is Mike Crow, and I run a home inspection business. In fact, I've run a couple of home inspection businesses. The true joy for me, though, has been helping literally thousands of home inspectors build really solid home inspection businesses as well. We can help a single man operation be able to do over $300,000 a year, maybe all the way up to $400,000 a year as a single inspector operation. Even better for me is the 80 plus companies that we have helped be able to build million dollar home inspection businesses. I would like to help you be able to do the same thing. Hey guys, Mike Crow here again. And I have to tell you, I have been taking care of some family issues and things. And so I haven't been able to get back to this as quickly as I wanted to, but I am back and I am excited. In fact, last night I, uh, did a webinar and uh, we'll be putting pieces of that out here as well. Had an incredible group of people show up. We had James from uh, the Worldwide Inspector Network Group. Uh, you can look him up on Facebook. We had Jerry Linkhorn from IGO. They took over my coaching about two years ago, doing incredible stuff. We had one of the past presidents of ASHI show up on the call last night. It, it was just an incredible call. So much good information and all of them helped with the call, gave some great feedback, some suggestions on different things as well. So it was very exciting. Now, what we're talking about here today, though, this is chapter 14 of the E-Myth. Now, the current book out there is the E-Myth Revisited. And so my book, my notes are going to be slightly different than uh, the E-Myth Revisited. It's actually a better version of this book. However, this is what I studied and I underlined, and I'm going to talk to you about some of the stuff that I've underlined here and be able to help you build a better business as well. So last time uh, we talked a little bit about, talked a lot actually about uh, your strategic objective. Uh, we talked about, you know, money uh, and money is no different than the score that you keep in your business. And of course, money coming in and money that you keep. So you have some profit and you have some things working there for you. And then, you know, is it an opportunity worth pursuing? We talked about that. And we talked about who is your customer. And then we actually talked about I talked a little bit about mavens, which is something that I started. And uh, so the difference between clients and customers is very, very specific. And the way I teach people to market their business, it becomes a very, very important part of that. So in chapter 14, we're going to talk about your organizational strategy. And I'm going to tell you, not my most exciting chapter. However, it may very well be one of the most important chapters because what I watch most people do when they go into business is that they're building a business on their personalities, okay? And even last night during the call, one of the things I was saying was building your business on a personality versus building your business on a system will cause you a lot of problems at some point. And I even talked about some of the problems that I've had because of that. So you need to make sure that you're not building your business just on your personality. Now, it's okay to infuse your personality into the business, give it some excitement, give it some encouragement, and, and encourage people to want to work with your company. Notice I didn't say with you. Maybe it's with you, but with your company, and that's pretty cool. So in the organizational chart, there's a lot of different parts. I'm just pulling notes here that I've underlined from the book, uh, The E-Myth, and it says, for instance, I knew that the organizational development reflected the organizational chart 
and it could have a profound impact on any company, probably more than any single other business development step. Okay, like I said, not my most exciting chapter. However, very likely one of the most important parts. See, most companies organize around their personalities, kind of what I was telling you earlier, rather than the functions that need to happen. And that is around people rather than accountabilities. What you get when that happens is almost always chaos. And you need to make sure that you're not putting yourself into that picture. So without an organizational chart, Everything kind of hinges on you winging it, upon luck, good feelings, upon the personalities of the people and the goodwill that they share. And unfortunately, personalities, good feelings, goodwill, and luck aren't the ingredients of success or a successful organization. So the recipe that you'll get from that sort of thing is chaos and disaster. And I know that firsthand because I built my first company based off of all those things. I built it off of personality, good feelings, goodwill, and a certain amount of love. And uh, what happened was that company almost imploded on me because uh, I had to be in the hospital for two weeks with my wife. I've talked about that in the past and I lost my office manager, lost my lead inspector. And so what resulted was basically chaos and disaster. Organization needs to be more than those things. And so we're going to talk about that even more so. He uses a couple of examples here. He talks about Jack and Murray starting the company and everything. And he talks about what the organizational chart looks like. And the truth is, you need to write out an organizational chart to, to list all the parts. Now, I was looking at the, the newer version of this book. And in the organizational chart in that one, it was interesting because what they put at the top was not board of directors, which is what in my book, they put shareholders because those people actually are the people that own the company and everything. Now in big companies out there in the world, uh, board of directors do exist and they do sit up above the CEO and, and uh, the COO and all of that. The other thing that I noticed is that they go straight from shareholders to the chief operating officer. They don't even have CEO in the new book, which I think is kind of an interesting, or your chief executive officer. They go to the chief operating officer. So it's kind of an interesting change in dynamic between uh, the first version and the new version out there and everything. The big thing though, is that at some point you need to write out all of the different parts and you're gonna put into certain places, certain pieces here. You're gonna have the vice president of marketing. You're going to have the vice president of operations and you're going to have the vice president of finance. Now, what I think is kind of interesting here, they break it up differently and under vice president of marketing, they have the sales manager and then they have advertising research manager. And I'm going to tell you one of the things that I do slightly different is that I do not believe that marketing and sales are the same department. I believe they're absolutely completely two separate departments. So when I, if I were to redraw this, I would have like vice president of sales and I am vice president of marketing. And eventually you could to some degree put those two together or the same person could run both of those departments, but you need to make sure that you have them and you set it up. And um, the big part of this is after you list each one of these areas, 
And he goes through each and every one of the areas, everything to a facilities manager, accounts receivable, accounts payable, service manager, production manager, sales manager, all of those different things. And of course, vice president marketing, vice president operations, vice president finance. And he says, hey, what we're going to do now is we're going to write a position contract for each of these positions on the organizational chart. Now, this is important. The position contract is a summary of the results to be achieved by each position in the company. So the work the, the person does in that position or must do is kind of a list of standards by which the results are to be evaluated and align, you know, basically for a signature of the person who agrees to fill or fulfill uh, those accountabilities. A position contract is not a job description. It's not a job description. So what this is, the position contract, is a contract between the company and an employee, a summary of the rules of the game. It provides each person in an organization with a sense of commitment and accountability. And accountability literally means, hey, stand up and be counted. The position contract is the document that identifies who's to stand up and what they're being counted on to produce. Now, I want to say this very clearly. And, and, and say it again, a position contract, you want to try to make sure that each position in the company is assigned to a person. Now, that doesn't mean that people don't cross lines and people don't help each other. Of course, we do that. And in fact, one of the things I have in my agreements with people is that we do whatever is necessary, you know, to get the job done. But the big thing is you want a position contract so that you know who's doing it, and what they're supposed to be doing, all right? Somebody needs to be able to stand up and say, hey, you can count on me to get that done. And so it's a, it's slightly different than that. Now, on completing, you know, this sense of order basically kind of sweeps through the company if you set this up properly. A, a sense of almost elation because now, okay, people know what they're supposed to be doing. And I will tell you right now, I'm building a couple of new companies, and even right now, what I'm trying to do is identify each of the positions and help people understand what their jobs are in that position. Not just what they have to get done every day, but the fact that they're responsible for that whole position and the other parts. And so you've got all of those things. And so once you have that done, now you can literally put up that organizational chart and you can start putting names in each of those. Now, here's one of the cool reasons that that works out so well is that when you have that all set up, now what you can start to do is go, okay, I need to hire somebody for that position. I need to hire somebody to do this. And I do the same thing kind of with my business bullseye. And I've shown that to you before, but it's basically a circle with a bullseye in the middle. And in the middle, it says manager, but it has admin and then marketing and then sales or phones for us because that's where our sales happen. And then the service that we provide. And each one of those, I had to start hiring people. And it's one of the things that I try to help make sure that people understand that are building a business is that you need to start hiring the people for those positions as well. In some companies, by the way, this is much more complicated than it is for other companies. So in the home inspection world, you know, I break it down so simple. I keep it simple on purpose. We hire someone to do the marketing. We hire someone to answer the phones and schedule, and we hire someone to go do the inspections. It's that simple. And of course, we have people that do the admin and all the finance and everything. 
You might have more people than that, though, in some types of businesses. And so when I go study attorneys and I have other friends that coach attorneys, that's a little more complicated because of the some of the different things that have to go into place. And when you take a look at even roofing company or insurance companies, it can be a little more complicated. Uh, I have a gentleman that I'm coaching that has running a CPA uh, operation. His is a little more complicated, but honestly, not that much. And the positions are still there. They still need to know what to have them fill and help them set that up. So as you're building your prototype business, and that's one of the first things you'll remember that we talked about in the last chapter, building your prototype business, you start by making sure that that business has all of these pieces into place. So in the position of salesperson and production person and accountables receipt, accounts receivable clerk, okay? Uh, you wanna make sure you have somebody there taking that over at some point. In the beginning, of course, the owners are doing it all, but you wanna make sure that even as the owner, when you step into that position, you're not the owner. You are taking care of that position. You're taking care of that position, not as an owner or a partner or a shareholder, but as an employee, as an employee. So when I used to run my company and I did the marketing, I was a marketing person. When I answered the phones and scheduled inspections, I was a phone person. When I did the inspections, I was an inspector. Now, did I think all, all the time, oh, I'm the owner of the company? Probably a little bit, but not really. I was thinking, how do I make this position? How do I systematize this position? How do I figure out what has to happen in this position so that I can help somebody else at some point fulfill this position. And so at the very bottom of the organization chart, you'll find doing the tactical work, not their strategic work. And you need to make sure you set it up so that it's very easy for people to see what they need to do there. So he talks about Jack and Murray, he, who he, he set this up here with in the original book. And he says, they're no longer interested in working in their business. When you set this up right, you realize you're no really longer interested in doing the inspections or doing the marketing or doing the other part. You're really focused now on developing a business that works, a business that works. And now the big change here is that you wanna go work in those in that business, okay, or on that business so that you can make it work. So when one of them goes to work in the position of a salesperson, he also goes to work on the position of a salesperson so that he's developing the outline. When he goes to work in the position of say the production person, or in our case, maybe the inspector, he's also going to work on the position of that inspector. And I did the exact same thing. Not only did I go to work in that position, but I worked on what that position looked like so that I could outline it for somebody else. And you wanna do this as well. You start building your business by looking at every position in the business as if it were the franchise prototype that you could talk to other people about. And it's so, so important to get that done. And once you have that done, everything gets easier. Everything gets easier because now you know who to hire, what type of person to hire, uh, and to make sure that you're getting it all taken care of. So here's one of the things is, as you're building this, you're quantifying the impact of any innovations that you're putting into place and help people be the most productive of them. And you wanna write those down so that you're helping them, all right? So one of the things that I, I want you to understand is that you're as you're building that prototype, here's what I want you to be able to see. As you're helping other people be able to do that, you almost 
you can almost place the ad as he's put it out here. Come and see our turnkey operation. Come and see our money machine. No experience necessary. Just an open mind and a willingness to learn. So if you want to put other people into business, then that's great. You could almost literally do that and set that up. And, and so he goes into that and talks about it quite a bit. Now, as I'm helping other businesses across the nation, they most of the time already have a business up and running. And one of the first things I tell them, and even last week we had somebody here, I think from Louisiana, and the week before I think we had somebody from another part of Texas. And one of the first things I tell them is, man, come and see our business. Come and see how we've systematized it. Come ride with our inspectors. Come ride with our marketing people so that they can see how we're doing it and learn how to go back and do it in their business. Now, when you're doing this the right way, you have innovated, you have quantified, and now you're orchestrating the whole process. And it's at this moment that you really literally can move up in your business yourself to that management position. And then when you do, when you're moving from, say, inspector up to, or, or maybe you're going through the marketing position, but now you're moving up to marketing manager. Maybe you're moving up to office manager. Maybe you're moving up to lead inspector. Now you start the whole business development all over again. And now what you're trying to do is outline that position and what needs to be done there. And again, you're quantifying and innovating and orchestrating what that system is going to look like. Now, we're going to talk more about that later in the next chapter. We're going to talk about your management strategy so that you can put that into place and make sure that you're learning how to quantify that properly. Okay. Now, at this moment, okay, these guys realized what they had done was they had replaced themselves with a system. And I want to make sure you hear that. They replaced themselves with a system. So as I'm helping people build businesses, the first thing I tell them is, here's the system that you need to build and put into place. And a lot of times people have to learn the system that I've used to help my company be a multi-million dollar company. And I want to make sure that you can do the same thing. So I talk about systems, people, and resources. You've got to build the systems first yourself. Then you set it up so that other people can run that system. And then you want to make sure that the resources are there to support those people. Okay? And it's such a, such a cool thing. And then, of course, you become the manager. You're managing the system rather than doing the work. And that is probably one of the coolest parts of the whole process. Well, guys, this is Mike Crow. Glad to be back. I'm going to be finishing up this book here and going through the E-Myth with you. Uh, there's really not that much left, but I will tell you some of the most exciting things are coming up. We're going to talk about your management strategy uh, and talk go through that. We're going to talk about your people strategy, and then we're going to talk about your marketing strategy and go through that part of it as well. All of these things are incredibly important as you're putting your business together, and I look forward to you hearing, of course, this one, but being able to look forward to those and understanding how you set these systems up. Now, they say strategy, but it's really a strategy to build a system. Let me say that again. It's really a strategy to build a system.
When you have these sort of things in place, then you don't have to be at your business every single day. I work maybe half a day a week in any of my given businesses. And I do this as my way of giving back and helping other people have a great business. Because when you have a great business, it's easier to have a great marriage. It's easier to have a great family. And for me, that's what life is all about. Making sure that you can take care of the people that you love in this world. And by the way, that means you taking care of yourself as well. And I will tell you that right now, I am taking care of my, my amazing wife. I am taking care of my amazing kids, my grandkids now, and, and then taking care of the people in the business and taking care of people that help support our business. And you can do all that as well. Well, this is Mike Crow. Be successful and be around those that are successful because the more money you make, the more people you can help. See you again soon. Bye. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. And as a friendly reminder, if you're looking to increase your sales, improve your cash flow, and boost your bottom line as a home inspector, go to microreturns.com right now.